leads our, uh, our, our worship, or our, our missions partners team, and is so faithful. Is any of the rest of the team here this morning? Can you stand real fast if you're here? Sandy, Deb, yes, thank you for the good work that you do, keeping in touch with all those <laughs> local and afar. I'm going to let Caroline... Uh, uh, I'm going to let Caroline uh, introduce our missions partners this morning. And we're, if we could, we're going to have you come up. And uh, typically, we'd have the elders lay hands on you. Um, but social distancing, uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. But still, please come on up if you would. We want to introduce you to the church. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you could be here today and worship with us. Um, I'm excited this morning to be able to um, tell you a little bit about our missionary partners. You'll get to meet some of them here. Some of our partners, we have 14 here at Spring Hill. You all support with your offering. A portion of your offering goes to supporting the 14 missionaries. Some are in Bozeman, some are in other parts of the country, and some are across the world. And they're all doing some different things, but they all are fulfilling our mission of the church, which is building authentic community in Christ, wherever they're at, through discipling, prayer, education, medical um, uh, programs. So anyway, I would like to start, um, and I have, we have some surprises this morning. I didn't know there was going to be more families with our missionaries, so um, I'm going to invite, when I introduce you, to come up and just, if you just stay in your family pod or your missionary pod, and then uh, <laughs> if that will work. Okay, so first I'm going to introduce Shana Powell. Shana is with MSU Crew. Um, she is also, she provides leadership at Montana State University through discipleship and prayer with students. She's also on the national board for Crew and provides leadership for them. She just was appointed to that this year. And I believe we've been partners for about four or five years now. And um, so thank you for being here, Shana. Then also we have Tim and Debbie Bryce. Um, come on up. Um, just find a little spot, if you would. To Tim and Debbie are with Crew Nations. This is a ministry serving Native American students at Montana State University. Um, our actual partner is Mike, or Mike and Julie Kelly. They're not able to be here today for family reasons. So Tim and Debbie have graciously agreed to step in and be part of the morning. Thank you for, for being here. You guys really appreciate it. Then I'd like to introduce uh, Josh and Britta McKenzie and family. I believe, come on up, guys. Find your spot, your little pod spot over there with your family and uh, for prayer. Um, Josh and Britta and family are with an organization called Reaching and Teaching. They reach out to pastors and provide prayer and support in Tacna, Peru. And that's where they live most of the time. They're home on furlough right now. Thank you guys for being here. And I understand that Josh was ministered to through crew at MSU. Thank you, Shana and crew. <laughs> okay. I was a non-believer at the time. I, I know, I know. Okay. But I'm just, I know that, yeah. It wasn't me. Randy and Sherry Jones, Chaplain Randy Jones. If you just step over there, please, Randy, uh, following the protocol. Uh, Chaplain Randy um, has been a partner here for a few years. We've supported the uh, sheriff's ministry here in Bozeman for a while. Uh, Randy's uh, job is to provide 
uh, Christian love, discipleship, and prayer for our first responders and police officers and those people who have experienced crisis here in the valley. And he's ministered to our church family here just this week in a very intentional, caring, loving way. And so these are our four partners that will be uh, joining us for the panel this morning. I would also like to introduce, we're honored to have other partners here today, Art Kunis, his daughter Miranda, and we have uh, Dan and Rebecca from Casa de Esperanza in San Carlos, Mexico. These folks provide, um, they have a, a missionary base in Mexico, and what they do, they provide housing and food and support for missionary teams from Canada and United States to go down to Mexico and provide um, different types of ministries, medical, um, children's activities. Our own church goes down there about every other year taking wheelchairs, and we have uh, people from our church that go on this short-term mission trip, stay with Art and Brenda. Uh, excuse me, I, I omitted Brenda's name, Art's wife. Brenda is, is uh, in Canada right now. Pardon me. Um, so Brenda and Art and Dan and Rebecca provide this opportunity for missionaries to stay there, and they assemble the, the wheelchairs, and they're fitted with the community members. So anyway, um, we would like to now offer a prayer for our partners, and then the, those of you that are on the panel, uh, just please remain up here and be seated. Uh, Shana, you've got your spot there. Okay. All right. Um, I guess that's, that's it. Yeah? The introduction. Um, so typically we would have the elders come up and lay hands on you, but I'm going to ask us to do something a little weird, a little different this morning. And if everybody can just put a hand out, just reach a hand out and let me just pray for these folks. God, we thank you for your call to mission. Lord, we confess it is your mission. We just get to be a part of it. So God, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of each of these missionaries here locally and abroad, Lord. God, that you send us all as missionaries to go and, and preach the name of Jesus Christ, not only through our words, but through our actions and through our lives. So God, we just pray would you bless and keep each one of these individuals. God, for, for those who are uh, a part of our partnership that are uh, often in harm's way, we especially pray for them. God, that you would watch over them, protect them. God, in the midst of the chaos that we are walking in, in in this country and in this world, Lord, would you help us to pierce through that in Jesus' name. God, that all the world might know you. Thank you for each heartbeat up here on the stage, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It is now. I omitted somebody. Forgive me. CJ Mole, where are you? Oh, I, please come up. I am oh, so we sorry. We forgot about I, CJ. <laughs> CJ um, has worshiped here before with us. You may know him. Uh, welcome back, CJ. CJ is with Love in the Name of Christ. Love in the Name of Christ is a local ministry of about 47 churches collaborating together. They are a conduit to reach out to our neighbors here in Bozeman. And CJ is a vital part of that. And we provide, um, our church has a, um, a closed closet ministry with um, Loving, we do a car ministry, we do home repairs, furniture delivery. It's phenomenal what the folks in the in the congregation do to work with Loving. And so um, I just appreciate you for being here today, CJ. And I actually am a, um, a volunteer there, and I really 
value um, the ministry so much and the outreach. So if you want to reach out to your community in some small way, there are so many ways. Please, you know, contact the church and we'll be able to find a way to help you volunteer at Love, Inc. So thank Let's you. welcome these folks. And those of you that are, are on our panel, come on up, have a seat. You can join me and praise the Lord. Somebody else has given the sermon today, right? Um, y'all, uh, welcome, welcome. We, we are in the midst of a sermon series on John's gospel, and it's a sit and soak kind of series. We're going to be doing this for uh, most of the school year, so thank you for helping me. Uh, bring God's word this morning. This is kind of my plan. Um, we're going to open up the word. We're going to read it. I'm just going to give a really, really brief introduction, and then, uh, and then I'm just going to lead us in a time of, of Q&A with our, our missions partners, and um, really looking forward to, to, to this. So let, let me pray for us, and then we'll jump in. God, we thank you for your word to us, Lord. We confess it is living and active. And so, God, we, we ask now as we hear it, proclaimed as we, we hear testimony about what you've been doing uh, in uh, so many lives through it. Um, God, would you just give us ears to hear you this morning? Lord, you are the potter and we are the clay, so make us, mold us, shape us, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. So our scripture reading this morning comes to us from John's gospel. We're going to read chapter 1, verses 35 to 51. 35 to 51. Um, let's hear God's word. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. 
So John the Baptist is waiting for the arrival of, his, of this Savior, and he's been telling everybody about him. And he sees Christ walking towards him in this, this wilderness, and just as Jesus comes by, he tells his followers, look, the Lamb of God. And this is a really interesting title, isn't it? Because Lamb was the last thing John's followers would have been waiting for. At that time in history, no one was looking for a lamb. They wanted a warrior. They wanted a king. They wanted someone who would literally save them, not from their sin, but from Rome and all of its oppression. So John's disciples hear this declaration. They immediately follow Jesus. And Christ looks behind to see them. And he asks these two men a very poignant question. He asks them, what are you seeking? What is it exactly that you're looking for? Because Christ didn't come to overthrow a, a government. He came to overthrow sin and death. And uh, as the, the missionaries know, um, we've uh, reached out and, and shared where we're going with this this morning. Um, this question is really relevant for our times. What are you seeking? Because never before in our lifetime have we seen more desperation play out in our world. Of anxiety and sickness and stress and loneliness and exhaustion. And it seems to me everybody's trying to fill this gap. Psychotherapists, sociologists, psychologists, doctors, surgeons, nurses, they will all tell you this, this life is broken. And yet, ultimately, the answer has to be Christ. So this is the concept I want us to talk about this morning. This is what our panel's uh, going to focus in on. What is our world seeking, and how can we take that longing and give them Christ? Uh, that's, the, uh, that's what we're going to be discussing together this morning. So um, why don't you, if you'll just introduce yourselves one more time, tell us a little about who you are, your, your family, and give us an overview of your, uh, your missions field, if you would. Shane, you want to start? You want me to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, I live behind Tosco, and my husband is a businessman in town. His name's Tyler, and um, we don't have any kids or pets. So that's the quick version of our family. What I do, the scope of our ministry is crew is a first things ministry. Our, our hope is to go out into the world of, of students and faculty on college campuses here in Bozeman and around the nation, also in high schools. But we want to help people meet Christ, get established in their faith. And if we're at our best, we're sending people into all the areas of marketplace and mission fields around the world. So we are just hoping to get those first things happening and then connect to the larger body of Christ. My day-to-day, -day, the first question, when we hit that? You want me to sure. pause? Okay, my day-to-day -day is I direct the U.S. mission of crew. So that affects 190 countries. Uh, last year we had 101,000 students involved in the U.S. and we had 880,000 personal conversations about the gospel just in the U.S. So my role is um, over all of the U.S. in that sense, but I get to live in Bozeman because my husband has businesses here. Wow. Did you say 880,000? Yeah, can you believe it? it wow. And when we get later to the digital side, we were forced digitally. And, and oh, our, sure. our people don't, we want to talk to you. We don't want to text you. Sure. But these, you know, these kids always have their phones. So we, yeah, had, to, we had to figure out how to use InstaChat and oh, Gramface and that. Thanks, Shana. Josh? Yeah, um, and I can attest to crew and, and their value uh, when I was in college at MSU. It was incredible. So... I'm one of those numbers, so. Um, but my name is Josh McKenzie. Um, my wife, Britta, my son, Dan, who's 18, Claire is 16, Paul's 14, and Evelyn is 10. We, uh, we grew up here in uh, Bozeman. Uh, Britta and I met in high school here, uh, and uh, 
when Demis Yu was an engineer here uh, for a lot of years, and God called us into the mission field. Uh, we currently live in Tacna, Peru. We lived in Cusco, Peru for a few years. And um, what we seek to do with Reaching and Teaching International Ministries is to train and disciple national Peruvian pastors and leaders to uh, entrust men um, with the gospel so that they can then teach others. And, um, and really, Peru is a place that, that isn't, isn't so much unreached as misreached. There, there is some evangelism, but there's a lot of syncretism and a lot of other things that are going on. They, they, they need deep discipleship, and that's a part of what we're doing. So for me personally, my re responsibility is we have another family, another team together, and we do uh, trainings uh, three to four times a year in different places all around Peru where we take groups of 20 to 60 Peruvian pastors and leaders and train in biblical theology and um, and, and how, to, how to be a pastor, character issues, hearts, hands, um, and head theology. And really, it's, it's sort of like Philip when he says, come and see. A, a lot of these pastors uh, don't know who Jesus really is. They, they know bits of Christianity, but when it comes to really needing gospel life and power, that's when it's, who is this Jesus? And, and that's what we try to do is to show uh, who Christ is and, and how to walk people in the gospel through the word of God. Wow, that's, that's neat stuff. I, I dare say that America needs a taste of that, too. <laughs> Amen. Absolutely. Randy? Yes, um, I'm Randy Jones, and this is my wife, Sherry. Um, we have five kids, and I'm the chaplain with the Gallatin County Sheriff's Office. And uh, my primary responsibility is the well-being of the officers and their families, uh, whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical. Um, that's what I'm about. Uh, so I spend time with them in a variety of settings. It might be on patrol, it might be at the office visiting with them, it might be uh, during an emergency incident, uh, it could be uh, at a conference, it could be any number of things. We put on a, an Easter and a Christmas service each year as kind of an outreach for the officers as well, uh, where I can go into more detail about the hope we have in Christ. Um, I'm often asked uh, also to head up funerals for people that don't maybe have a church family uh, or marry a, an officer, uh, those types of things. And, or even do an invocation and a benediction at a civic ceremony here in Bozeman, whether it's Memorial Day or Patriot Day or Veterans Day. Uh, and in all those contexts, depending upon how much time and the appropriateness of it, I always try to weave in the hope of the gospel uh, mm -hmm. because people need hope, right? And then the other uh, piece that I'm involved in, of course, is... Uh, they call a chaplain when there's been a tragedy, like what happened with Scott uh, this week. And, uh, and it was so wonderful to have uh, your pastor and Kevin show up at the scene. I don't always have people, pastors, that show up at the scene. Um, usually they end up at the home when they get the news, but those guys came right to the scene, and so we were able to uh, go from there to the home to let Judy know what had happened, and it was just invaluable to have have uh, your pastor ministering to their own sheep uh, at this situation. So thank you, Ryan, for that. Um, so those that's kind of the a, a nutshell of, of uh, there's a variety of other things that I get involved with, but uh, that's that's the main, the meat and the potatoes of it. Yeah, it certainly felt like meat and potatoes this week. The uh, There's ministry partnerships, and then there's Randy and I in a, in a police cruiser. Mm -hmm. um, and he wouldn't let me turn the lights on, by the way. I don't know. 
thank you for the ministry that you yeah. do for this flock and for this, this community. Let's keep going. Okay, hi. I'm Debbie Bryce of Tim and Debbie Bryce. We are serving currently um, with Nations, which is a um, division under Crusade, Campus Crusade, and it's a special division. Um, Mike and Julie Kelly, many years ago, were here serving at MSU and realized that the Native, um, Native American students weren't attending the crusade in high numbers, just a handful. And they realized that they needed to do something, so they got together and crusade um, established a group to the Native Americans. We have oh, close to a thousand Native Americans at MSU, and they're students that are promising students. They come from these reservations from all over the United States, not just Montana, but there's several, several that come from Montana. And they are wonderful young people, but they come with some struggles, as many of us have. Um, oftentimes, their struggles are a lot more tragic. And so what we do um, is we have gatherings on Monday. We have events also planned, like we have one up at the Yellowstone Alliance camp, the YAA coming up. We have one also in the spring. Um, the one that's coming up is called Would Jesus Eat Fry Bread? And so that really characterizes our ministry. We, um, we want, we strive to, within the culture, reach them for Christ and, and it's been a, a privilege. Tim and I, um, he's retired. I'm still with another Native mission that we've been with since 1974. 74. And, so, and we've been married since 1970. So that's right, 50 years we're this year married. And we had three children. We have 11 grandchildren, five which live here in Bozeman. And that's how we... We serve the Lord through our family and also under nations. So we appreciate your, your um, very much supporting of Julie and Mike. They are fabulous to work with and to be under. And Jesus, I just, just really feel like Jesus is, is working through them and, and us at times. <laughs> so thank you. Well, I tell you, it's such a, a humbling thing to think about, isn't it? Um, already just hearing about the, the, all the different areas that, that God moves um, out beyond a church building. Um, and this morning we're talking about expectations, what, what the world expects. And I typically, you, when you gather around a, a dinner table, you don't jump right into all the hot button issues of the day. But I thought, why not? We've got guests among us. Let's just do that. Um, <laughs> So, so this, is the, this is the question that I, that I have for us. Uh, you know, it's no secret we're in a roller coaster of a year. And uh, we've seen in the midst of this COVID marathon um, and election season, that roller coaster play out. We, we've seen social upheaval with these movements such as Black Lives Matter and riots all over the nation and unrest. And I think each one of you are going to bring a very unique perspective to that. Tell us how this has uniquely impacted your mission field um, and then paint us an overview of what ministry looks like for you in, in light of all that. 
Loaded you, question. You want to go back and all, down the line or popcorn? Sure, why not, Shana? Okay, I'll go first. Jump in. Yeah. We're recording. Um, I would say college students are activists, and they want to make a difference. And so what's been happening in the world right now is, is making students question, how do I make an impact? How do I make a difference? This is big stuff. They don't want to sit on the sidelines. They want to be people of action. And so a lot of college students are also trying to figure out who they are and what making an impact in their life means because they haven't figured it out. So I think we are trying to not choke out their activism, but direct it to the ultimate answer, which is that people would know Christ, that he would change us from the inside out, mm. and we could able, be able to be kingdom bringers in every part of our culture. And I would say that uh, it has been very stressful because college students are feeling a lot of anxiety. Think about all the movies you grew up watching about what high school is supposed to be like, what college is supposed to be like. There's anger, there's loss, there's frustration. Um, the community, their community at this age is more important than any other relationship. And, and they're, you know, they're told, wear your mask, be home, don't, you know, just be, behave. And they aren't people who want to behave. This isn't the age in life where you behave. And so they want to rise up and do something meaningful. And so we are trying to enter into spaces that we can help direct that towards the message of Christ. And we are trying to learn digitally. And I am not a digital genius, but young people are. They've never grown up without a cell phone. I mean, I got my cell phone and I made fun of people who had them thinking, you must think you're so, so important, you need a cell phone. But now it's just a normal thing. So we really have been learning about digital ministry. And um, I think I wrote it down because I could not believe the number. 36 million people last year engaged in a gospel conversation online. That's around the world. That's not just in the United States. But people in closed countries where it's dangerous are able to interact digitally with a believer, a human believer, that can text and talk and whatever the technological platform is with them. In two weeks, every country in the world interacted with our website. Even that country, the one you're thinking of, even that one, every country in the world interacted. And so I'm blown away and I'm trying to figure out how to steward it. And at the same time, our staff are like, let me out of this. I just can't wait to sit across the table with a student with a piece of pizza at two in the morning and talk about Jesus. Because that's what they do. And they're so tired of this reality. Wow. Incredible. They say that uh, uh, I've heard a lot of talk about how the pandemic has sped things up, mm -hmm. sped technology in the way we yeah. do things. Um, yeah, when I wrote these questions, Josh came to mind because I'm thinking, what is it? What is a foreign mission like? What does that look like uh, as the world sees America kind of going through turmoil? And um, tell me more about what 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 your mission field has looked like in light of all this. Yeah, it is funny when we were coming back in June for our furlough. Uh, our friends there were like, don't go to the U.S. It's crazy over there. Stay, stay in Peru where it's nice and safe. And, you know, they have, they have you know, in, in Takna, the place where we live, when the lockdown started in March, it, it's a little bit tighter than, than here. They, they brought in the military. The guys were doing checks and checkpoints with AK-47s and tanks out in the streets with, you know, it's, it's just a whole different level of craziness over there. Um, and so even with all that, they're like, yeah, don't, don't, don't go back to the U.S. I'm like, oh, Montana's a little bit different than, <laughs> than Dachna or than uh, Portland. But uh, so, yeah, it's changed dramatically for us. Um, since they've been locked down since March, people can't go out of their homes except for getting food once a day. And you got to go within 500 meters or you get checked. And it's just crazy. Um, for the last couple of months, our kids weren't able to go outside. So they're running around couches and just... It, it, was, it was challenging. So that's not just us. I mean, us, we were able to get food, but we see that the, 
the, the, the pastors are having trouble just providing for the congregation with food. People live hand to mouth. Uh, Venezuelan refugees have, have less than that. And there's no online giving in Peru. There's, there's mm. pastors aren't mm. getting, uh, giving. So we're trying to help them financially, but, but mostly um, we're still doing our trainings. We've switched to uh, audio. Uh, we can send through text messages. So we'll do a week-long training through audio and then have a Zoom meeting at the end of the week a couple of times. And, and that's been productive, but people are getting Zoom uh, fatigued. And, and, you know, the first thing to go for those guys is Internet. Nobody has money for that. So uh, it's, been a, it's been a real challenge. So it's shifted from we're doing that, but mostly it's encouraging these pastors to continue. They are discouraged. They probably won't get a meet until sometime in 2021. Family gatherings are out completely. Uh, it's just a whole different world down there right now. And, um, and so our role is to engage them and encourage them to persevere, to help, help them to see that, that God is working through all of this and, and there are opportunities um, because people in Peru, especially now, are, are asking the bigger questions. And these pastors are being able to help with what they can in the day-to-day of food and, and just encouraging people to take it one day at a time and, and see what the Lord's doing. Let me ask a quick follow-up. You know, they... Uh my mind's already at Christmas. Like, I've forgotten about the next two. We're just going right to Christmas. All right. What is that? I mean, what, is there a conversation about what that's going to look like in a place where you can't meet and there's no online? And Yeah. You mean as far as the churches? Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 they're just going to have, like, either a Zoom or a Facebook wow. meeting, and, and that's that. And, and that's the hard part for the pastors is they're seeing people just drop off. And then, you know, video isn't – they can't have video, so it's just their name – and so you're preaching, and we, I just did this a couple weeks ago in Takna. I was preaching at a church, and you have 30 boxes, and one person is live. The rest are, you know, they, they don't have the video. So you, you have no idea. You can't connect with your congregation, and it's, it's challenging for them. It's really wow. challenging. It makes the, the scripture about let us not give up meeting together as some have done, and yet it's impossible. Right. Um, wow, that's a humbling thing to just think about the blessing we have to be together this morning. Um, okay, Randy, I've thought of you a lot this week, too. Uh, coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, law enforcement. Um, tell us what that missions field looks like. Tell us uh, what it, I mean, give us some ideas of what it, what it is to be a police officer in this town right now. Well, that's, um, I think most of our officers realize, and they do get the support of the community. Um, we see what's going around, on around the country. You know, we don't have that here particularly. There's always the the few that um, want to abuse our officers verbally and whatnot. Uh, one of our, um, many of you know Jake Almendinger's, uh, who was killed last October in the line of duty, the deputy up on Ferry Road on that ice, icy road accident. Um, uh, his, uh, one of his relatives had their, uh, uh, law enforcement memorial flag torn down oh, uh, during this time and after it was put back up it was taken down again ripped up and with a nasty note left um, so there are a few people in our community that are anti-law enforcement and and are totally insensitive but I think a lot of people are very supportive uh, I know my wife and I we, and family we participated in a prayer walk um, in front of the Law and Justice Center and around the block there uh, to show our support of law enforcement. And uh, some deputies came out and a judge to thank us for our support. 
So people have been bringing food to the law enforcement officers. And uh, so I think that on the whole, they're getting good support. Um, but it is a stressful time for them because mental health crises are up and a lot of other things like that. Um, there's a lot more um, family disharmony, stresses in the home, domestic violence type of things that are on the uptick. So the officers have to uh, deal with more of that kind of thing. Um, when I'm called to a home uh, early on in this crisis, when everybody was so, in like March and April, when everybody was very nervous about uh, COVID and the spread, I mean, you show up to a home where somebody has lost their loved one, and how do you console somebody when they're wearing a mask and you're wearing a mask and you got to be, you know, six feet apart? I mean, it just it was just a whole different different uh, so that didn't last really long because when <laughs> when you're in a crisis like that you know forget covid you just have to love yeah. on people so uh that's a, a lot more relaxed right now mm. um so uh yeah i had to sometimes i'm uh, occasionally asked to to preach uh, like you are and uh i had the first occasion this year i had to pre-record my you know videotape myself giving the sermon with my little iPhone in my in my office, you know, and then send it to the church and let them weave it into the rest of their service for their congregation. That was kind of an unusual thing. And then I had the privilege of, this is a, a sidebar, uh, marrying my son uh, this summer. Uh, his wife's originally from uh, Oregon, and they're still in phase one in that particular county, so there's no indoor stuff. So we had to have a drive-in wedding well, for my son, we had the cars parked in the nose den, and then the, the the bride walked in between the cars, you know, up to the front. But it was a beautiful setting against a, a river. The church parking lot is really a beautiful setting, but uh, that that was the first. How creative <laughs> but, we've gotten. Anyway, so yeah, the COVID has 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 brought up a lot of stresses for people, and I can share a little bit more about that after a bit. How, tell us one thing. What is one specific thing we can be praying for our police officers? Yeah, I would say um, that they will uh, not let all the the stuff get to them and 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 change their attitude toward people because you know yeah, so they're receiving hard. the brunt of that. Let them keep realizing that most people are are good and and that it's still an honor and a privilege to protect and to serve and not to lose their vision for why they took their oath at the beginning. Because when you're abused, then do I need to do this? Mm -hmm. And if they don't do that, if they're not going to protect us, who is? Right? Well, yeah. So that they'll keep their vision. Amen to that. Um, we will pray for that. And um, Debbie, you, of course, with Crew Nations, uh, I, would, I would say when it comes to Montana, um, you know, we don't have a ton of ethnic diversity. When it comes to Montana, that is, uh, that, that would be, I, I would say, uh, a, a, a hot point of Black Lives Matter here. I mean, what is, how does that work with reconciliation and the gospel, and um, how is that playing out with crusade and campus ministry life? Well... Yes, uh, Black Lives Matter has not infiltrated as far as I have seen. Um, we meet weekly. Um, in spite of COVID, um, we were able to work it so that we could meet at a facility near the camp, near the campus, um, and still do the same. What we've done in the past um, is 
have a dinner, and then we have some games, and then we have a speaker. And oftentimes we try to get um, the Native American Christians that are in the community come and speak. And then oftentimes Mike, I think Mike is on, Mike Kelly is on for this Monday. My husband just spoke and shared a story um, of near-death experiences. And, and we had, they were just hanging on every word. Um, but... Um, I haven't seen that that kind of a chip on the shoulder of these students. I really believe that they the main thing they want, what we're talking about seeking, what do you seek? I feel that they are looking to have success in their world and maybe go back to the reservation that they came from, maybe not, depends on the individual, but they really are seeking that and I and they are they are driven. Um, a lot of times, family and homesickness is one of the worst um, obstacles. But that I believe is um, what they're seeking, and that's what we exist. We have a Native American on staff at MSU. It's, his name is Nick Ross. He attends our church over here. We go to um, Trinity, and and Nick Ross is a deacon at Trinity. He's um, just a solid Christian, and God has put him in an amazing place. It's a golden opportunity. So when you pray, you can pray for not only our, our small group that works with, but he is Native American. They look up to him. He's made it with all the obstacles that he came to the campus with. Um, how many years ago did he say? It's been 14 years ago. He came with a bag over his shoulder and showed up. And they, the MSU really helped him, had to help him um, to succeed. Now he has a bachelor's. He's looking to do possibly a master's. And he has a position with um, MSU, which is just golden, and us as well. Um, just preaching and uh, not preaching necessarily, but sharing and listening to the to the students, and that's what they really they really want is to be heard and to be known. So I don't I don't see the I don't see a chip on the shoulder of those those students feeling like they've they've had trauma in the past. We all know about historical trauma with Native yeah. Americans, but I don't see it in the students. Doesn't play out as well. Mm -mm. Well, in typical Ryan fashion, I have eight questions left, and uh, we're already over time. Um, so let me just throw all the – let's just uh, go off script and just um, share, share one way uh, a story or a, um, just as we close out here, if, if you all would just share a brief uh, – something that would summarize how your um, – this idea of come and see, how you are sharing the gospel in the lives uh, of those that you're ministering to in light of all this, this chaos. We could go all day. I wish we could. And please, stay after. Our missions partners will be here uh, for some time, so stay after and pick their brains. But one, one stop, one story. Okay, you briefly. just gave a bunch of storytellers the charge to be brief. Um, I would say... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that one thing we've noticed is a lot of our campus ministries have this come to our weekly meeting as the first hospitality invitation. And you can't do that right now. So the first invitation can't be come to a Christian gathering. It has to be come with me on a hike or come with me to get a cup of coffee or come with me and do whatever activity I normally do that I can do in COVID. And that has really changed the the where the power is it's, it's like don't come here Shana teach the gospel it's like come with me and let's go on a bike ride and we'll talk about how we're facing COVID today and the cool thing about that is ownership is going to the front lines with students and they're becoming alive I mean if you have to take the risk to talk about Jesus with someone you know on a hillside that's a different risk than saying come to Spring Hill and sit with us and let's hear Ryan teach the gospel mm-hmm. love it mm-hmm. Josh yeah um so, so for us, it's, you know, we've had some guys that would spend four days, you know, coming down on a canoe to, to have this training because the training is just so important for these guys in the jungle. And what we've seen is that now these guys, some of the missionaries, a lot of missionaries are like, okay, we're, we're coming back and we're not, we're not going back to Peru or to other places. And, and as I'm talking with some of these guys, it's, it's like, this is a great opportunity. This is an opportunity for you guys and this is what we've always wanted, us not to be in the front, but us to be in the back and bring these guys up. I mean, just like all of this ministry is do, is, these ministries are doing, and we're seeing that because of, of COVID, because of these, these barriers that are opportunities for, for men to grow. And so uh, I'm just kind of excited about what that looks like now and then going into the future so that it's like, oh, yeah, I can do this. It doesn't have to be the, the missionary. And so when we come back, it's like, hey, you've been doing it. Keep doing it. And then we'll go other places and... Uh, so I'm just really encouraged by that and, and helping to keep these guys just pressing on because, like I said, they're discouraged, but I think if they just can get through it by God's grace, it's going gonna, it's gonna to explode as far as missionaries in and around Peru, but outside of Peru, from Peru, outside of Peru. And so uh, excited for that. You have to believe God's doing something greater than all oh, of what yeah. you see. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Randy? So one night I got uh, paged in the middle of the night. There was a gentleman, this is during the covid stuff and um, very depressed he wanted to talk to a chaplain and we have mental health providers that usually take these kinds of calls but um, he wasn't necessarily suicidal but he needed somebody to talk to so uh, I went there and found out his situation his story and then um, when I followed up with him uh, you know a few days later you know I'd say hey you want to get together for lunch or something no I'm I'm really not hungry well, when can we get together? Well, I don't know. So I just went over to his house because I knew where he was, right? And, oh, he had an excuse. So then he had an excuse that, well, my car doesn't work. My truck, my, my truck doesn't work. And I go, what's wrong? Oh, I need a new battery. So I just show up and say, hey, let's, uh, let's go get you a new battery for your truck. Hmm. You know, so uh, his truck takes two batteries. So he went over to Napa and we got a couple of new batteries and I'm helping him put them in and he's handing me tools and, and so we're talking and then... Uh, He's asking me questions, and then in that context, then I'm able to share about Christ and come to find out that he had an early church background, but, you know, he's not really walked, walked it. And uh, so my emphasis was him that, you know, the prodigal son, hmm. if you turn and come back to Christ, you know, he will wrap his arms around you. And uh, so following up with him, hoping that he'll... Uh, he has some other issues in his life that are not easy, but uh, that's with the public. But, yeah, so that's wow. one thing. And in one other prayer that you could pray for officers, you know, we have believing officers. We have Christian officers. And pray that they will be the salt and light mm. 
uh, and witnesses that they need to be, not only with their peers, but also with, with the public in appropriate ways, because it's not always easy no. uh, during the job to be that kind of salt and light. But uh, anyway. What a witnessing opportunity. I, I had a professor in seminary say, if you want to get men to know the Lord, get them on a river fishing or get them around a car working. <laughs> That's where you can give the gospel. So what a neat story, Debbie. Okay. Um, a quick story, I guess. Um, just um, outreach to the Native Americans is oftentimes something that we're, they're kind of the hidden culture here, even though there's many that live here. Um, I just feel like it, it was amazing when we started to open our home. We did years ago in Seattle when we were in our first um, ministry. We had a Bible study every other night, every other week, excuse me, one at our house and then the other at the Native American couple who weren't Christians. And they are now standing for, for Christ. Um, Paul worked at Boeing and is now retired and went back to his reservation in Warm Springs, and he's a pastor. So I'm telling you, um, you'll never know how much God will, um, the, the doors that are opened over a meal, I believe wholeheartedly, and we see it even at our facility that we're meeting at that's close to campus. They, they just warm up, and then they open up. And I think, um, well, I just... I just can't say enough, and I think if you're looking for a ministry, just look for those that want to come over for a meal, and you'll never know what, what God will do through that. Even if you're not a, a preacher or a minister, you can do so much by reaching out. So that would be my charge to you as a congregation, along with praying for Julie and Mike. Amen. Amen. Can we thank these missions partners for their time again? You've heard me say it many times before, where the world's greatest needs and our greatest gifts, where those two collide, that's where ministry happens. And thank you for, for your witness and for, for sharing them, how God's moving in your life and how God can move in the life of this church. We're all missions partners together and, and called to go and do ministry. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to invite Becca to come back up. And God, we just thank you for, um, for your love. Lord, first for allowing us to receive and to know your love, but then also for the gift and the blessing we have to go and share your love. And so, God, I just pray that today would not just be an academic exercise, Lord, but that with your word open, um, God, that we would go into this world and we would look to see what is it that people are seeking. And in their longing, Lord, would you help us to give them you, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, God, whatever we do this week, help us to focus on that. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Let's continue in worship.